Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise this morning again. We worship you from the bottom of our hearts because indeed you alone are worthy of our worship. We give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Let's open our Bible to the book of Psalm number 11. We are going to declare the glory of God and pray again from that portion of the scriptures this morning as we start. The book of Psalms number 11. There are seven verses there. We are going to read it together. All right. Are we there? Yes, sir. I want to. Let's go. In the Lord, I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string to shoot in darkness at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord sends the righteous and the wicked. And the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain snares. Fire and brimstone and burning wind will be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will behold his face. Read verse 7 again. For the Lord is Can you read it louder? For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will behold his face. Amen. Amen. Now, while we are still there standing, let's quickly open to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Again, we'll declare, declare the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ from that portion of the book of Colossians. We are reading from verse um, 13, and we are reading all the way to verse 20. Now, this will be the main text for the uh, teaching for today. So once we finish reading this, I'll just continue teaching. All right? But because we love to declare the glory of the Lord Jesus, and that's um, it's something every believer should love to do. Is the reason why I want us to do this right now. All right. One, two, let's go. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Again, we say Jesus is Lord. Amen. Say amen like you believe it. Amen. Why do we mind their amen? Once again, we say Jesus is Lord. Amen. We say he's the beginning. Amen. He's the firstborn of all creation. Amen. He's the firstborn from the dead. Amen. He himself has first place in everything. Amen. All the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him. Amen. Through him, we have been reconciled to the Father. Amen. I said through him, we have been reconciled to the Father. Amen. We have peace through the blood of his cross. Amen. 
Again, we say, in him we live. Amen. In him we move. Amen. And in him we have our being. Amen. Without him we can do nothing. Amen. We declare it again. Jesus, without you we can do nothing. Amen. All that we have come from you. Amen. You are the king of kings. Amen. You are the lord of lords. Amen. You are the source of our lives. Amen. Yes, we live because you live. Amen. Because you live, we are alive today. Amen. And we shall live forevermore. Amen. In the name of Jesus, we have declared. Amen. And because we are going to receive understanding also, we declare as follows. One, two, let's go. And the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Again, I say great things will happen to you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. Once again, good morning, everybody. Today is a good day for you in Jesus' name. Alright, let's continue teaching. Like I said, the Bible reading we read, uh, Colossians chapter 1, as part of our declaration of the glory of the Lord, will be our main text for this morning, so I don't need to read again. I'll just continue our teaching on a new man and a new world. Again, let me just remind us of what that title means. I keep on saying it. God doesn't just give things. He changes people. Do you understand what I'm saying? His primary aim is the change that he's doing in our lives. Let me remind us that in the beginning, he said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion. Now, when he speaks like that, we tend to think that when Adam was made, that was complete. And we say Adam was made in the image of God. Well, sort of. (laughs) Sort of. What do I mean by sort of? That was the beginning. I hope you're getting my point. You think the day Adam just got off from there, you think as soon as Adam got up, he now became so wise, he knew everything. No. Actually, he too was born. He had to grow. Maybe he was not born in a tiny body. Maybe he was born in a, a big body. I don't know. But he was born and he had to grow. He had to grow mentally. He had to grow spiritually. I hope you're getting my point. And it's the fullness of his spiritual development that will have fulfilled the word of God that let us make man in our image and after our likeness. That was what would have fulfilled that which God declared at the beginning. But that failed. It failed. Of course, what God was trying to do was that Adam, after you will have developed to the height, after you have become exactly like me, then you will eat of the tree of life, and then you will live forever. Do you get my point? That is, Adam will have lived forever in the exact image of God. But the process, it's a process. Never forget, the things of God are a process. It's a process. The process was interact with God regularly. Hear his word. Imbibe his life, which flows through his word. See, if as a believer, I don't care how much you are praying. Are you getting my point? If you are not hearing the word of God, you are not growing. That's a bad thing. Why didn't you say amen? You don't like it. 
<laughs> That's better. It's true. <laughs> yeah. I don't care how much you are growing. You are, um, what did I say now? Praying. If you are not imbibing the word, you are not growing. I don't care how much you are going on evangelism. If you are not imbibing the word of God, you are not growing. I don't care how much you are giving. If you are not imbibing the word of God, you are not growing. That is why many people are disappointed. I've seen stories. You just say something, why is this guy behaving like this? When I first knew him, he was a very vibrant Christian. What do you mean? He was going from house to house evangelism. He used to be in church praying, 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 praying. That's what you remember about him. His backsliding shocks you. He didn't shock the Lord. His backsliding shocks you. He didn't shock those who had understanding. Because you will have noticed he never could sit down to hear the word. He never could. He never could sit down and imbibe this truth when people are preaching it. He never could. But if there's a time to pray, he's there. And I told you, Pentecostals, the, most of the praying they pray is cacophony. It's not, it's not effective. I'm sorry. Pentecostal prayers there. You know, I know people don't like this. Now, first and foremost, let me speak like Paul. I'm also a Pentecostal. Do you get my point? Yes. I'm also one of the people. However, I think a lot of our prayer is not effective. People hide behind the fact that they are praying in tongues when they have nothing to say. They come to God. They have no plan, no purpose, no request, no praise. Listen, before you start praising God in tongues, first exhaust the English you know. Because praise is appreciation. I hope you're getting my point. It has to, the one you know must finish first. It must finish. If what the spirit now takes over and it starts bubbling from your soul and you know that, and if God will help you, you should pray to understand, interpret what you are saying. Because it's praise. It's because it's praise. I'm so emphatic on the fact that it is praise. Don't forget that. Because many people, that's what I'm talking about it. They are not imbibing the word in any way. But you see a lot of spiritual gymnastics around them. Time to pray. They are jumping up and down. They will speak in tongues. They will groan. They don't have any understanding. The person has been praying for years. He doesn't understand the meaning, the, the, the meaning of the will of God. Anytime he starts to pray, he doesn't understand what he says. And you respect it because you don't understand it too. Please, I don't mean to be critical. Please, I don't mean it. But I believe the Spirit is using me to caution Christians. Try and strike a good balance. Don't get swung. One year of praying, you don't have more understanding than at the beginning. You have wasted one year. Because people are glorifying lack of understanding now. I have noticed the less you understand, the longer you in quote, tarry in this praying. Now, why did I say that? So, some people, they will bust like you'll be shocked. Why? They were taught wrongly. You see, the evangelism he's doing from house to house, the praying he's doing, groaning and speaking in tongues and doing everything for hours and hours on end. You know why he's doing it? Somebody said that if you do that for a year, you will break through at the end of the year. He was seeking breakthrough. He wasn't seeking spiritual growth. One day I was talking with somebody, one of my friends, and he told me something Kenneth Higgins said. Now, what Kenneth Higgins said is not a problem. It's what, how some of us interpreted is what I want to quickly explain. Kenneth Higgins was talking about being led by the Spirit of God. He now referred to one particular man, a businessman, who followed the leadings of the Spirit and became a millionaire. I don't know whether you're getting it. 
all his investments were done by the Spirit. Now, the interpretation we gave it, I don't know whether that's what the man meant, but that's what we gave it. Is that if God tells you before you invest, you'll become very rich. Now, listen to this. So, people began to learn how to hear the voice of the Spirit for one purpose. So that they can become rich. So, as people pray, they say, okay, how do I get to hear from God? Pray in tongues until your spirit is silent. Now, let me tell you something. If you are following the leading of the spirit so you can become rich, pray in tongues until your spirit is frozen. Whatever you hear is wrong. Do you know why? You are following so you become what? Rich. Once your desire is for wealth, you always hear what is wrong. Even if God stands in front of you and says it to you, it's wrong. It is, you wouldn't be the first. God has stood like that before and spoken to Balaam. And he was wrong. Not God, but Balaam. So many times people are getting involved in spiritual activities. But they're not growing. Because the only way, there's no other way. The only way to grow spiritually is to sit with the Lord and drink of his spirit by his word. There is no other way. I have studied this scripture for some time too. I've argued on some of these things. I've watched, I've watched things. I have experiences. And after all these years, I'll say it again. There is no other method of spiritual growth apart from sitting with the Lord and drinking of his spirit by the word. You can't drink of that spirit, the one that makes you grow, if the word is not there. You can get a spirit that makes you effective, but you're not growing. Something had the spirit that made him effective, but he did not grow. For that reason, despite the fact that he carries such an anointing, you will go to Gaza and see a harlot. You go to another city and see a woman there. The anointing could not preserve his morality. This is my message, but let me quickly jump on the side, alright? When God gives you an anointing, he's not preserving you. You are supposed to preserve the anointing. Be arrested. If God gives you anointing to preach powerfully, it did not stop, stop you from doing what is wrong. It did not stop you from dying prematurely. The anointing will not. The anointing just has one thing to do for you. You will give the ability to do the work that God has given you. Which is the reason why many people are still confused till today. Yeah. When they say Samuel, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Solomon. Solomon was very wise. I said that he's a foolish man. Do you follow my point? <laughs> are you saying that God? No, 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 no. The anointing that came upon Solomon to produce wisdom was a ministry. It was job. That anointing did not develop him personally. So personally, he was a foolish man. As a king, he was very wise. So when he wrote the book of Proverbs, we believe it. Because he thinks, the things in the book of Proverbs, he did not practice. You practice and now you marry 700. You know how it takes that? I like the one, this one, great, you marry him. I like the one, this one, looks, you marry him. This one can cook, you marry him. This one is from a good family, Mariam. This one connects with the king of Egypt, Mariam. Now, so he takes those 700. Contrary to the express commandment of God, which says your kings must not multiply wives. 
It was written in black and white. There was another express commandment. You are not supposed to marry from Egypt. He broke all those express commandments. Is that a wise man? No, I will tell you, that was a very foolish man. But was it wise? Yes. In ruling, the anointing used to come upon him that he would speak wisdom he did not understand. I've seen preachers teach. They will finish teaching. I will tell myself, this man does not understand what he has just taught. Out of my own understanding, I just look and say, this guy doesn't get it. Now, what he said is good, correct. I will hold it and put it in my stomach. But I know the man didn't get it. There was a man I had teach like that. He finished. He sat down. He came back to correct the things he taught. When the anointing left him. (laughs) See, when the anointing left him, hmm? he considered the things that he said. He was embarrassed. He came back to correct them. I was there. I said, God, you shouldn't have done that. You were right. 100% right. This correction is wrong. It's not his fault. When anointing leaves you, you'll be like any other man. That's true. That anointing does not help you develop. So, when you say, ah, I saw one man of God, he was committing adultery, don't, doesn't, it doesn't make him fake. It doesn't. He's genuine. It is just that you thought the anointing will control his morality. It does not. It is the word and the spirit that's entered into him that develops him spiritually that does that. That's what I mean when I say anointing doesn't, it doesn't help you. It puts a burden upon you. So you being a child of God, being responsible, you know, I say, ah, God, do. let those who trust in you not be ashamed because of me. I'm giving the words of David. You now get on your knees and pray and use your prayer to protect the anointing. I hope you get my point. You now say, God, you know I have spoken for you. I am known by your name. I beg, Biko. You know, after God has used me to bless people in a number of ways, I now understood what David, Jesus said. He said, some were made eunuchs for the kingdom's sake. Or made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom's sake. There are times you look and say, ha. You realize that because of this love for women, I, I will come embarrass God. Say, God, where's the knife? Give me a urologist. Just two of us will know. <laughs> no, I'm telling you the truth. That's what I mean by you. You have a job now. Guard that anointing. Don't, so, please, I've, I've heard all kinds of things. Men of God is here. Say, leave the man. Don't worry about it. Now, I'm not saying that what he did is good, though. I'm just saying, it's self suppose no say, in suppose read the word and pray like everybody else. A lot of young it derailed a lot of ministers. Especially those who were anointed early. Ah, yes. At the age of 16, you were already healing the sick. 17, you don't raise one dead. What it does a lot of times is that people now think that there are certain keys I have. You ain't got no keys. Nothing. You don't have anything. You're a donkey. You know what a donkey is? The one that Jesus rides there's no key. Some would not think that because of that, if I speak, everybody should listen. No, you should go back home, humble yourself. 
There was one young boy. I wonder where he is now. When we're young, this was on campus. This guy was like six, seven. I wonder where he is now. To minister to people, he would say, who's going to carry me? He was that small. So another would put him on his neck. And he'd be going around the church laying hands on people. He would be following out the power. They would give him the mic. He would preach with favor. You don't need to be told he was anointed like John the Baptist. We not say because of that, his father can't flog him. <laughs> if I'm his father, as a pastor, come here on your knees. <laughs> I'm telling you, face the wall. Didn't you read the Bible? Jesus went back in subjection to Mary and Joseph. Yes. I will flog at this. In fact, because I know you are anointed. Special. Oh, my father. I will be on your own matter. More. If you spill water on the ground, you will pick pain. If you disobey one, one time. Why? I said, can't you see how anointed you are? But if you be on my boy, I will leave you now. Do you follow my point? If I know there is no future for you, no destiny. If you say, I want to cross the road with my eyes closed. Cross. There is nothing. Do you follow my point? But when I know you are anointed, do you get my point? So a lot of people, they made a mistake. Because they were anointed early, they thought they had something. They thought they, they made them special. But they were not. It only made them carry a heavier burden, which they should have prepared more muscles to lift. So you saw, I feel bad when I see young, young boys on campus wearing suits. They make this 19-year-old boy head of a fellowship. He calls himself Papa. If you are Papa at 19, that's, you know, a lot of Nigerian footballers, that was their problem. We think they are 19. Do you understand my point? But then by the time they are now ready to blow, they retire. Do you get what I'm saying? If you are Papa at 19, what are you at 25? Grandpapa. What are you now by the time you are getting to 40? You are a retired Papa. And most of them retire, and I'm, so, I'm sorry to say, most of them, that's why they're not going to occultism to remain relevant. Yes. Because the spirit departs from them, the spirit abandons them. Go and grow. I will see you in 40 years. But they can't wait. Next thing they start getting involved with associations that use familiar spirits. To the one young man, please, I've not forgotten where I was, and I said, it's more digression, okay? I was talking about the fact that growth has only one way, and that was the plan of God for Adam. One young man came once, I, was, I went to campus to go and minister. Long ago, not today. I was very young, so he was much younger. I don't know where I get the point. That is, if I called him young, and I was young that time, the story I'm telling you is not less than 15 years ago. Okay, let's say 12. No, 13, 15 years ago. So if he's 13 years ago, remove that from my age now, I was young. And then I called him a young man. So he was younger. So the guy will probably be in his, um, if he's too old, 21, 22, probably like 19. This guy was on fire. He heard I was coming. He came for the program. After the program, he gave me an envelope containing the doc, some information about his ministry. I could see the anointing of God bubbling on his head. This guy was on fire. He now said I should pray for him. So I prayed for him. He now said I should give him a word from the Spirit. Now look, my guy, see, oh boy. See the one I did inside there? 
is what I have the anointing to do, to teach. This prophetic thing, I will get to a prophet. And I didn't put this other, I will get to a prophet. Said, this one is not my own thing. He said, no, sir, please. Sir. He, just, he, he, he persuaded me. Ah. He said, I should just reach inside my spirit. I will find something there for him. As God is my witness, without planning it, I reached inside my spirit. <laughs> I felt around, felt around. The only thing I found, one piece of paper inside my spirit. I opened the piece of paper in my spirit. And I read it out to him. Now, I didn't see any paper. But I felt in my spirit. I said, okay, no problem. So I will finish praying that time. I said, okay, no problem. I said, yeah, I have a word. What is it? I said, take it easy. <laughs> and I wasn't joking. I wasn't trying to mock him. I said, take it easy. His countenance fell. His spirit went down. Then he told me, he mentioned one preacher, I can't remember now, but he told me that, that this was some surprise was around the other day. He said, I asked him this same question. He told me exactly what you just told me now. I said, that confirms I'm speaking by the spirit. Did he hear? He didn't. He didn't hear. He did not hear. He didn't take it easy. Go ahead, listen to my message. The cure for zeal. Zeal is meant to be controlled. You don't just follow it. If you follow zeal, you enter the Atlantic. And I mean drowning, I don't mean swimming. You have to control it. Know how to use it. Years later, I asked after him. He's not a big man. Once you see him, very artificial looking. Yeah, his face is artificial. His hair is not his own. You can see it. It's, it, it, it I had, he had gelled it and curved it and was now prophesying like T.P. Joshua. And when T.P. Joshua died, they say a great man died. No, that's how you know them. When they can't recognize what is real and what is fake, that's how you know them. He now made a statement that anybody that says T.P. Joshua is fake is a fake preacher. I said, coming from you, it doesn't matter. We don't listen to you anyway. You lost it long ago. When the Lord told you by many witnesses, relax and grow first. He didn't agree. Next thing was prophet. I, I, I stumbled on one of his... Uh, I asked after him. Someone had to, of course, he had changed his name. He had become something else. And I asked of his prophecies. He got, it's obvious he had gone into a shamanism. You know, this... Um, what do you call it? Family, he's of familiar spirits. Hanging around with strange prophets. I look, I just shook my head. Ichabod. The glory has departed. People don't know that. Look, when the anointing cools down like that, it's called enter the wilderness. You have 40 years to go. Don't force it. That's why they start joining themselves with familiar spirits. That's an aside. I know where I began from. So anointing that comes upon you can make you as wise as Solomon in ruling Israel, building a great kingdom, but if you become very foolish in your life, you marry 700 women. And as a result of your reign, Israel is divided into two. It's the reason why people are confused as to whether Solomon was wise or not. As an old man, you start following wives to go and worship strange gods. That is what the problem is. So we're saying Adam was supposed to, by a process of visiting, that is staying with the Lord, imbibing his word, and drinking of his spirit by that imbibition process, become what God created him to be. And when he ate, when he ate of that tree that God said you shouldn't eat the fruit thereof, what he said is that I'm tired of following your process. 
I will go my own way. And that was how death resulted. And we've talked about what death is. And we also explained that what God now began to do was to try and get man back so that his original purpose would still be fulfilled. So the only way he could interact with the Lord was through a sacrifice. So God gave him sacrifices from the beginning to even be able to survive. His sin had to be paid by somebody. I said, forgiveness is not free. Forgiveness only means somebody else paid. Don't forget it. Forgiveness is not free. Forgiveness only means that somebody else paid. And I was careful again to remind Christians never, ever to approach God on the basis of their own works. You cannot do that. Just remember that Jesus paid enough. All that Jesus paid is enough. You don't need to add to it. Because sometimes people think that, all right, I know Jesus has paid for my sins. He has paid for the promises to be mine. But let me just add something. So let me give one offering to make God owe me some more. I hope you're getting my point. It really it shows you don't understand the depth of the payment that Jesus all right, paid. You don't understand it. If you did, you wouldn't bother with that. You will have a different motive for the things you are doing. Small digression again. Just stay here for two minutes. No matter how much good you have done, all right, just assume that you didn't do enough. That's a better attitude. Just know you have not done enough. For example, God gave you half a million naira, and you give out the whole money as offerings. You know, there's this cocky idea that I have given. You know that kind of thing. You should go to God, get on your knees, say, Lord, for my faith being so small, that all I can collect from you is half a million to give, forgive me. That's a very righteous attitude. That is a very righteous attitude. That is a very righteous attitude. Don't ever go and say, Lord, you're working up. Let's see your son is coming up. <laughs> ah, I gave 100%. My God. So what are you going to do for me? That, that attitude. Don't let you ever crawl in. Just look and say, God, I gave 500000 Thank you very much for what you have done through my life. But if only I had more faith, I should have been able to believe you for $10 million. Then I will have $10 million to give. Do you get my point? It's, it's called humility. It's not sin consciousness. It's humility. Once you are giving the Lord thanks, it's not sin consciousness. Thank you for what you have done. But you are careful to eliminate pride. Pride is terrible. God hates pride so much, he gave Paul a thorn in the flesh to prevent him from being exalted. Did you hear what I said? Paul. He said because of the plenty revelation, Paul understood that. You know, you know what it means? He knew how to open the gates of heaven. He knew how to Call angels to come. He knew everything. Reve- Look, revelation, I told you, is not just intellectual information. It's empowerment. He was empowered. Because before I know this guy would think he's another God. So he gave him a thorn in the flesh. Hey, hey. I know some people are saying that. No, what God, listen, that interpretation that Paul could have re- rebuked it is not true. So I just want you to know, because some people, they think, they, are, they, are, they want to share with you something they think you have not heard before. We heard it. That, uh, you know, what God meant was that my grace is sufficient. I heard the man preach it. That, Paul, you have the power to rebuild the throne. It's not so. He said, lest I be exalted above measure. How do you rebuke such a thing? He said, therefore, I will glory in my infirmities. The only way to keep the thorn out of the way 
is to buffet yourself. Make sure that pride never raises his head. Do you get my point? You don't want the tongue to manifest. You fight your pride day and night. But that's how much God hates pride. That's an aside. So, we're saying everything we are is because of who Jesus is. It's because of what God did for us in Christ Jesus. The sacrifice that reconciles us with God the Father is Jesus Christ. So he gave them those animal sacrifices. They had clean animals that they were supposed to take and offer to the Father. All right, so that they will be reconciled with him. And the point is that the Bible says the blood of bulls and goats, it is impossible for them to take away sin. So why did God give it? It's simple. It was a token. I hope you're getting my point. It was a sign of their faith. As long as you offer that, you are saying you have faith in the sacrifice that God will provide. Do you get it? You are saying that you had faith in the sacrifice that God would provide. So as soon as he offered that sacrifice, when he finally came, when Jesus came, the use of animal sacrifices expired. It expired. Now, if you offer an animal sacrifice now to God, having heard the gospel of Jesus, it is as if you killed a man, the Bible says. It's offensive to the Lord now. It's offensive. Just by the way, I like to always help people. When you are doing Thanksgiving, dragging cow to church, it just means you want to eat. It doesn't mean more than that. No, you know, so Christians must understand this. People think that because it's a cow, there is something inside. Let me tell you the truth. Most of those pastors give the cow to, they sell it. There's one brother I know, he used to sell it for the pastors. And he himself was a pastor. And I will not tell you it's inside this place right now. What am I saying? Don't. I know some people won't like me, but this is the truth. I have to just say the truth. If you want to give cow, give cow because we want to eat cow. It is not. There's nothing. There's nothing sacrificed about it. If you mistakenly cut the neck of that cow as sacrifice to God, He will punish you. And don't think I'm kidding. I'm warning you. But we say, Lord, let us eat. Why not? You know, your friend is doing very I go and give cow. Is it, are you offering to any God? No, you, because you know the crowd will be plenty. Yeah. And they have to eat. So you need to honor people with it. I don't, there's no, God doesn't have any problem with it. So if he's like, um, what will I do next week? I'll come and give me cow now. I was, let's talk about it later. <laughs> if you bring cow here, I will pray for you. It's not because your sin will be forgiven. Lie, lie. It's because men, I know, say meat will be in abundance. It's all meat. There's nothing more to it than meat. So, carry your cash. If that's what you can carry for your Thanksgiving. I'm, let me tell you, most pastors will prefer the cash. This one that you have, you've now put cow on his head by force. I'm just trying to emphasize something. Don't think you can shed any blood anymore. You can't. Jesus has done it. That was for the Lord. That is... Everything was a type of what the Lord would do. And he has fulfilled it. Please don't forget that. Alright? So it's through that that we are reconciled to the Father. And that's what we have been trying to explain. Again, I was trying to remind us that it's changing us that God is doing. He's not trying to give us anything outside primarily. Every experience around us is for the purpose of change. The spiritual change. 
And then he gives us things so we can fulfill the function that he has given us on this earth to perform. So be reminded that righteousness is not a sign that you, or let me put it this way. Righteousness does not mean you've done everything right. Righteousness just means that God has accepted you into his presence. And we emphasized again last time that what does God accept now? Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a reason for it. Because truly, and that's what I want to talk about today. Faith in Jesus is the only way you can achieve the real purpose of God in life. Did you hear what I said? Faith in Christ Jesus is the only way you can achieve the real purpose of God in this life. I will say one more time. Through faith in Jesus, that is the only way by which the purpose of God in life can be achieved. You know, we read a portion of the scriptures at the beginning, which I said will be our text, Colossians chapter 1. I want to go back to something again. Why I read that portion, in fact, for me, it should be one of, that should be my favorite portion of the scriptures now. Yes, I think it should be. It contains the deepest revelation in the Bible as I, as I understand it as of today. Because Christianity is not about good works. And I keep on saying it. Christianity is not about we go to church. Christianity is not about righteous living. Christianity is not about holy living. Christianity is not about prayer. Christianity is just about one thing. And what is that? Christ Jesus. That's all. In Christ is righteousness. In Christ is holy living. In Christ is answer to prayers. In Christ is purpose. Do you get my point? It's about Christ Jesus because in Christ Jesus is everything. Healing is in Christ Jesus. I hope you're getting me. The ability to walk in a holy fashion is in Christ. Righteousness is through Christ. Eternal acceptance with the Father is in Christ. Do you follow my point? So all those other things are secondary. So if you try and aim for them without aiming for Christ, not only won't you get them, even if you were to get those things, you miss many other things. So that's why a man like Cornelius, he got good works. He aimed for it. It was what they call a proselyte. He learned the way of the God of the Jews. And then God loved him because he saw his heart. He's what the Bible will call a God-seeker or a God-fearer. I hope you're getting my point. So what did God now do? When God saw what was going on, this man was reaching out. He went to him and said, we have seen what? Your arms, your good works, everything. Now, please listen to this. Sometimes we pastors, we make a mistake. We want to use that one to motivate Christians to good works. But I think it's not appropriate. That is not a way to motivate Christians. Christians. I'm talking about Christians. Cornelius was not a Christian. We do good works for a different reason. Why do we do good works? I'll tell you. It is simply because we are ordained ahead to do them. To tell a Christian that, look, at God had Cornelius because of his good works. You two do that, God will hear you. It shows you don't know Christ. And you didn't even read the story complete. Because if you were to pay attention to the full story, you would have noticed that when the angel came, he told him that this is not the way. I hope you're getting my point. He said this is not the way now. That because, but we see your heart manifested in the good works. So we will show you the way. Now sent to Joppa. There's one guy in the house of one guy who's a tanner, deals in leather. So he's well known in the town. 
As for the house of that man, when you get there, tell him them there's one Peter here. That you need to talk to Peter. At that point in time, Peter was in the house of Simon. And, of course, when they arrived, he was just having this vision of the great sheep that came down from heaven. That had two kinds of animals. No, that had the unclean animals. Which represented Gentiles. He did not know. And that tells us that the reason why God separated the unclean from the clean was again the separation of mankind. And I'll tell you briefly about that first one, the clean side. All right? But that in Christ now, all of them have become one. There's none that is unclean anymore. So he got there and told, of course, they told, you know the story, they don't want to waste time telling the story. So they said, okay, come to the house of Cornelius. Cornelius told me the story, an angel told me to send for you. What am I trying to emphasize? Despite all his good works, he didn't catch. Good works couldn't save him. Listen, under the old order, if he did the good works and did not offer sacrifices, you would not have been saved. That's the spirit of Cain. You do the good works, you don't offer sacrifices. And the same thing actually comes down to the Esau also. He was doing works, but still depending on his works, not the sacrifice. He was not dependent on the sacrifice that God was giving. That's what happened to Cain. Cain did good works. The fruit of the ground that he brought forth is a sign of his good works. But it does not save. It cannot save. It cannot pay for sins. That is why, listen, even under the old order, if you were a good man, you had to offer sacrifices. Go and check. Job, with all the good works, he had to offer sacrifices. But I'm emphasizing to people again, the sacrifice has ended. That's those animal sacrifices. But you still have to take hold of the sacrifice that God has provided. And that is Christ Jesus. That's why I'm saying again, Christianity is not about good works. It's about Christ. Now, in Christ, good works will come out. And that is why you don't even think, you don't even allow it cross your mind to want to approach God the Father because you did good works. Because by doing that, you undermine the power of Christ in your life. Let me say this one to you quickly. Many Christians, you know this thing I'm saying, it's very subtle. It's very, very subtle. It's in the hearts of people. They, don't, they won't say it, but they take pride in their works. And I say this to you boldly. Many good Christians have been injured like that. They've been injured like that. They don't know how to cry for mercy or fully receive mercy. They are shocked when they have problems because they've done good works. They are shocked when things don't go well with them because they have a lot of good works to show. They don't understand. The reason why they are blessed is simply because God chose to bless them. He promised to bless. And he said anyone who we have, listen to this, true faith in Christ Jesus has right to that blessing. This is surprise people. Works or no works. So did you just say works or no works? Yes. So they shouldn't do good works. I didn't say so. There was one thing I said first of all, which was what? If they have what? Before I said faith, I put a word. True. If they had true faith, true faith, because true faith usually will manifest in good works. But the focus is never on the good works. For many people, no, for almost all the time, no, for true faith, the good was just a sign of the faith. For example, if you really, let's take money as an example. If you really have faith in Christ and in God the Father's ability to provide, Generosity is not discussed. It's going to fall out of you naturally. If God can take your eyes away from focusing on physical cash or material things you have as a source of your provision, 
It's not only generosity, because some people are very generous, but if you lose money, they will be crying and crying and crying and crying. Their giving is not out of faith. It's out of give so that you can get. A very horrible doctrine that we've, we used to spoil the body of Christ. Christians are not supposed to give because they will get. They're supposed to give because, well, they should give. Why do you give? Why won't you give? That's the reason why Christians give. What do I mean? If you don't give, who else will give? I don't know whether you're getting it. That's the attitude. Why do we give? Ah, is it not God that gave it to us? He said we should go and give. The attitude is just like, hey, 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 wait, wait. It's money. It's money. We don't, we won't die over it. Do you get my point? If you can help somebody, why not? You know, some people, this is not a curse. Just to let you know that it's just money, okay? This one, they are changing now, and many people will lose thousands and thousands of naira. They will not know. One day, you are going to remove his suit. Three months after the old money has finished, has, it's no longer legal tender. Now you bring it out, you see crisp. One thousand naira knows that you pack like 20 of them inside there. You will look at it and whack at the money. <laughs> you will be so angry. Say, where were you? But just by a 24-hour delay in recognition of the presence of that money, you've lost all the value in it. It has no inherent value. I'm not cursing you that it will happen to you, but it, it will happen. Why do we give as Christians? Okay? It's because we are children of God, we are responsible, we have compassion, and we have, most importantly, faith. Because the reason if I have 10,000 naira today, and I'm and I know how much I need to spend on food in the house. And maybe that money will last for a few days. If I give you from it, it's because I know another one is coming in the next few days. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I'm not planning to die of hunger with my children. So if I take from it and give out to something, it's because I trust that whoever provided this will provide the next one. So giving for me as a believer is a sign of what? True faith. So refusal to give can be a sign of unbelief. Do you get my point? Yeah, it can be a sign of unbelief. That's why I said, look, if you give out money, good. If you lose it, if you're a true giver, you still won't cry. Do you follow my point? The money is gone, right? If you're a true believer, if you're a true giver, what the Bible calls a cheerful giver, you won't even cry over lost money. This is so strong in my heart. Christians, they've been wrongly taught for a long time. God doesn't bless you, please, because you give an offering. Apostle, how many times have I said this thing? That you have heard me. It's not up to like 1.5 million times. But it shocks me. People still don't want to believe it. And why I'm saying that they will get injured along the line. Because once I teach the truth, they are now in trouble. I teach them like three, four years of suffering. Okay, two years. That pastor learned it in two years. You only two, three years of suffering before they can learn the truth. Listen, Jesus is everything. No? That's what Christianity is. It's about... It's about, it's about God coming down in flesh to manifest himself. And he says, if you want to relate with me, if you want me to bless you, that is the basis. Your whole life is for one purpose, to be found fully formed in the image of Christ. Bear that in mind. Your whole life is for one purpose, to be found fully formed in the image of Christ. What I was hoping to explain today, let me see how much of it the Spirit will allow me to do, is to show that when God was relating with everybody, from Noah, because Noah will say we're trying to lay 
solid foundation for people again. When God was relating with everybody, Abel, let's start with Abel, down to Noah, even Enoch, even Methuselah, just that Methuselah's life was prophetic, down to Abraham. From Abraham down to David, and down to Moses, let's start with Moses. Moses all the way to David, David to all the prophets of Israel, and then till the Roman conquest of Judah, all right, at least when Jesus now came, till the coming of Jesus Christ. Everything that God did was to end with the coming of, that is the focus was the coming of Jesus. To help us understand again, if you pick your Bible, when you read Genesis, from Genesis was written to get down to Abraham. So that's why you don't have too many tales that don't have anything to do without direction. Once the story goes towards Abraham, they tend to forget the other people. So the story starts quickly. Great in fact, the way the Bible is written is funny. The largest periods of time took the shortest periods of Bible account. For, for example, verse 1, we don't know how large verse 1 is in chronological time. Could have been millions of years, we don't know. Between verse 1 and verse 2. We don't know. But God just jumped it quickly. Summarized everything with one word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What happened then? Well, we don't know. Then next, it says, the earth was without form and void. Literal Hebrews, the earth became formless and void. Why it became, we don't know. It's not even discussed. People have tried to allude to the reason somewhere along that's reading the other parts of the scriptures, which is actually true. The Bible, you can read other things not said earlier. You find them later. Okay? Yeah, it's like that's how the Bible is. What the Balak, Balaam doing in Numbers 22 into 23. You don't know much about it until you go to Revelations chapter 2, chapter 3. Now tell you what Balaam did. Do you understand? Okay, so that's how the Bible is. So people have tried. But the point I'm making is that that short period, man, that's it. That short verse talking about possibly millions of years. Then he now told us about creation, the fall of Adam. In the next few chapters, he rapidly got down to the story of Abraham. In a few chapters. Then, the story of Abraham now took time. The life of Abraham took time. He was explaining the life of Abraham. Now, Abraham's life, okay, kept on going until you get down to Isaac, Jacob, and the 12 sons of Jacob, all right? Then they now began to hear the story of the 12 sons of Jacob. Everything about the Bible is just their story. How they expanded, how they were oppressed, how God set them free, how they conquered their land, how everything, then how they were dispersed. All of it, God was doing something to bring out what the Bible calls the oracles of God. His words, they were writing it down. Thousands of years on that. But he was going to one point. He wanted to preserve, you know, remember clean animals and unclean animals? He took a race of human beings out to preserve them as clean. In the midst of their cleanness, they did a lot of pollution, all right? So he kept on cleaning and cleaning and cleaning. Now, let me tell you something you may not realize. God is very good, but he's very just also. Hmm? A lot of uncleanness that other people did, he wiped them off for it. Do you hear what I said? He wiped them off entirely. Most of the races of human beings that ever existed, they don't exist today. 
God cleaned them out entirely, removed their genes from this earth. So he held the Hittite, the Amorite, the all those people. When the Bible wrote about that, you don't know anything about it, they ever existed. Archaeology sometimes they try to say that uh, there's no archaeological proof of this. As you do understand, God wiped them out. There are places that he burns to ashes. He said, even their metals, put it in the fire, they melt. It was being deliberate. There are places that they will go. He said, okay, you can take the gold, take the silver, take the animals sometimes. He said, okay, you can take the young men and the women who have not married. Everybody else, take them out. But there are places he gets to. He says, no, 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 no. Everything. So when they get to Jericho, don't remove anything. Even the gold, they will burn it, melt it. Metals, they throw them into fire until they melt. Why? He says, I want to erase the memory of them. So archaeologists will come here, they say, we can't find the proof. God says, I wiped it out. How can you find the proof on something that I deleted? And, <laughs> you know, I went out of, I made sure I cleaned them out well. And usually it's because of iniquity. Not usually, all the time. But the people of Israel, anytime they sinned, when their iniquity were crawling, this will surprise people. You know, those who think that God is just... Listen, let's get this clear. The God of the so-called Old Testament is the exact God of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Is the same God in the book of Acts. Is the same God in Romans all the way to the last letter of Paul, Hebrews. I like that to add on to it. The same God in Peter, James, John. The same God in Revelation. They didn't change. If you hear the doctrine that he was like this that time, it's not like this now. It is not true. Whoever said it didn't, does not understand him. Hasn't changed one bit. Hasn't changed at all. But he has a purpose. And because of his purpose, he, know, he does some things. So, for example, people sinned against him. You see why, why I talked about that. When people, when pollution would try to crawl into this clean group that he selected for himself, manifesting the sons of Jacob, actually, it was Abraham. All right? But the physical one he wanted is the sons of Jacob that he used. So, when pollution would creep in, he cuts it off. Do you get my point? Yeah. He will. So, they are in the wilderness. We just talked about Balaam just now. Balaam was hired. Come and curse these people. He said it doesn't work. So, when it didn't work, Balak said, what do we do? Balaam said, no, you have to defile them. If they are defiled, their God will turn against them. And it worked. You hear about the Baal of Peor. So, they joined themselves with the Baal of Peor. Now, this is where I'm going. And to prevent decay from spreading into this group he took for himself. You know what he did? He killed 23,000 people. Now, for your information, Balaam or Balak were not hoping he would kill 23,000. They wanted a million dead. Because if he left them for Balak, he would have killed everybody. But when he couldn't, he said, let's see another way. So they went spiritually. Please go and read my book, Worship and Sex Control. If you have not read it, please read it. And if you have read it, read it again. Because you see, spiritual things are real. Spiritual things are real. Balaam, listen, if Balaam was not getting results, Balak would not have been wasting his time 
trying to hire him. He was getting results. And the way he got results, we know. If you saw the scriptures enough, the way is simple. You have to be a sinner. He's an accuser of the brethren. He got results. What determines whether you win or lose on this earth is, the, is in heaven, not on this earth. You go to the judgment throne of God. Oh, please, let me digress. Let me digress. Can I digress? Every aspect of your life and every person's life, there's court session on it regularly. Will you be healthy or sick? The court has to sit. Will you live long or die early? The court has to sit. Will you prosper or fail? The court has to sit. Will your ministry be effective or not? The court has to sit. And anytime the court sits, there is always an accuser. And there is always a defense counsel, or Bible, an advocate with the father. And they don't stay there alone. They have people who work with them. Those who work with Jesus are the people you call intercessors of the earth. They are your loved ones. Yes, they are your loved ones. Digression in the digression. That is why in your life, please make sure you have loved ones. Say, so what do I mean? Make now, please. I'm not saying this so that um, you be mechanical in how you do things, but just get the general principle right. Be one who sows good, so favor, so love, so kindness. Be good to your parents. Be good to your friends. Be good to your siblings. Remember them on their best day and out of your little, give them something. I don't care how rich they are. I don't care how rich the person is. Out of your little, give him something. Remember, be so favor. It's very important. I know what I'm telling you. Please, as much as lies within you, don't let your God-appointed intercessor become your enemy. What do I mean by God-appointed intercessor? Your mother. Your father. Your close friends. People that, if you, had, if you, you fell unconscious, they rushed you to the hospital, so they are the ones that were around there. Yeah. If you tell me one, Mr. Mr. John Phillips somewhere said they found him on corners of the road. He's now in the AIE in UNTH. What thing was that? It doesn't bother me. He says, they, they beat, it was some boys that beat him when they went to rob him. I said, oh, this is a bad, bad. God, in Jesus' name, punish those boys. I won't even remember to go have mercy on those that guy. Who is he? I don't know him. I'm not his God-appointed intercessor. What am I saying so? These are people who rise up and support Jesus. When he's petitioning your matter. They are the ones that will say to God, have mercy on him. Have mercy on her. Sometimes they don't get on their knees to say it to. They just say it in person. They can't even remember anything you did to deserve it. But you are just warm in their hearts. And please don't be a troublemaker. That's the other side of it. Be careful. In the neighborhood, you are the one everybody is hoping will die. <laughs> one man dies and they're like why do good people die this one has not yet died and they're saying this one has not yet and it's you they're thinking of you think it doesn't have effect it has a, especially when it is just if it's unjust that they don't like you you won't agree to do the urukuruku with them God is your defender in that one 
but you are the one that everybody passes, that you will park and block the road. And you know. You know you sleep very soundly. There are six cars in the compound. You park your own at the gate. You put on your music, put on your AC, you go to sleep. And your phone is on silent. Can't you see how wicked you are? Then they wake up early in the morning. They have an emergency. They have to leave the house. They can't move your car. They come to your door. They knock. They are hearing music. You are in the inner room. You can't hear the knock. They start calling you. It rings and rings. It's on silent. When you now come and say, sorry, my phone was on silent. I said the phone was born in silent. <laughs> when you know you are like that, you sleep like that, don't park your car there. Go park it somewhere else. And if you know that, no, you have to park the compound. Go and meet a good neighbor who, who, you know, give him the key. Just think of other people for goodness sake. And then you are now selling a fake product. You will die early. See, all pray for nothing tomorrow. You will die early. You can be very horrendous tomorrow. If you don't repent, dying, you shall die. What kind of nonsense is that? There's not, look, you're not the one selling paper in the market. Everybody buys something from you. This is for two days. Don't say, hey, God punish that man. You think it's just a joke. There's one Satan writing it down. God punish that man. He has written it down. He has written it down. They accumulate everything. So when they want to decide, will you live long or die early? Argument now starts. The weight, ah, God. If you don't have intercessors on your side, God, with all the love he has for you, will rule against you. Because he's a judge. He said, but what about Jesus? Jesus is not just, he's not an arbitrary intercessor. What activates the intercession of Jesus Christ on your behalf? There are a number of things. Knowledge of the word. Walking according to the revealed word of God. The word of God on your own lips. If you don't put any of, that on any of these things there, then you have nothing to work with. It has nothing to work with. But in addition to those ones, what you now have are people who are praying for you. Your mother gets on her knees every day and utters sincere, heartfelt prayer. Sincere, heartfelt prayer. Sincere, heartfelt prayer. Why? Because, you know, you don't understand. It's not everybody that goes to your church and understands all this depth of revelation. They're just talking normally. Ah, God bless my son. Or God keep him as he's going. God bless my daughter. Or God keep her. Simple prayer. Effective. Everybody has a right before the judgment throne of God. I hope you understand that. Even Satan comes. So how much more your mother, even though you think she's a witch? <laughs> she can come to the witch will come and say, God have mercy on him and God will hear. Because God will say, why did you say that? It doesn't allow me to go hungry. Please, I hope you are getting my point. Every part of your life is on trial every day. It's on trial. What you experience is the judgment passed as a result. You are, you are a doer of the word. You have the intercession of Jesus on your side. Then you have other people adding, little God bless you here. May the Lord bless you. People praying for you. Every voice of the accuser is silenced. You have to understand the accuser, even though he tries to accuse, he can be silenced under certain conditions. If he wants to accuse based on your past works, which you are repented of, 
The blood of Jesus covers that one. But if you are still walking in iniquity, there's no longer any sacrifice for that after you have received the knowledge of the truth. Because Jesus has some things. Like now, if you, whether you know what is, whether, what, is, whether, what is right or not, if it is wrong, it is wrong. You have to be judged. But if you have ignorance, Jesus will use ignorance to plead on your behalf. But when, you has, when he has given you knowledge, he can no longer use knowledge and ignorance to plead on your behalf. So the father will say that the sacrifice does not cover that one. Don't live carelessly. Okay? I, I dug into all of this talk. What's the balance we're talking about? What's the balance? That's the problem now. Which, which, which one? <laughs> So Balaam had to use accusations against the people. That's how this witchcraft thing works. Satan, like I say all the time, that's how the kind of power people think he has. He has to accuse. So when he uses the accusations, then God rules against them. So that was why he led them through many methods into idolatry. Once they got into that idolatry, that's where we were, remember? Poison began to spread in the, in the camp. And the whole camp would have been decimated. So God quickly had those who had joined themselves, because they were the ones bringing the nonsense in. Those men who went and joined themselves to Baal of Peor, they went to eat sacrifices, sacrifice to idols there, and to sleep with the women of Moab. The two went together. They always go together. Sexual immorality is idolatry. People don't know that. It's idolatry. It's pure idolatry. It is pure idolatry. It's idolatry. People don't know that. All this one they talk about, uh, I'm transgender, I'm this one, uh, is demon worship. I'm gay, I'm le- this demon worship. People just don't know it. It's demon worship. Please go and read my book, Worship and Sex Control. I talked about everything inside there. All right? So, God had to cut off that pollution. 23,000 people dead. Because they were the ones bringing the demons into the camp. That thing would have spread in the camp. And eventually they will have been destroyed as a people. What I'm talking about, about is God preserving his people. I just went into some digressions along the line. So God preserves his people because he preserved, I wanted to say, because he had a purpose. So every time pollution will come, he will cut it off. Every time pollution will come, he will cut it off. You must understand, the gene, don't mind, I'm laughing at myself. When you talk about genealogy, right? The genealogy of Jesus had to be perfect at a particular level of determination. Those pollutions were not allowed to put a gene that's active inside his chromosomes that God didn't want there. And all those funny things around keep altering genes and mixing it into the population. So those guys were bringing a form of genetic alteration into the car, which will have manifested over the next two, three generations. So God killed all of them. Why? He was preserving a lineage, a genealogy for Jesus to come through. There are certain things that must not end tight. Certain things must not. They are demonic. So Israel, when they will misbehave, misbehave, to cleanse them, like for example now, to prevent them being polluted, he told Abraham, be careful who Isaac marries. So Isaac had to marry from where Abraham knew that, at least they knew God. 
People have, somebody has asked me before that. I said, you don't have to marry someone from your village. But, I, but Abraham married the wife for Sarah, for Isaac from their village. I know you, when you hear something, you just shake your head like God. Is that how ignorant your children can be? So because you are from, um, uh, find me the name of one uh, village not too far from here. Where's the Dejuku's village again? Newe. Because you are from Newe, you are in Lagos. You now send for a woman from Newe. The gods of Newe, the one they worshipped 300 years ago, will follow you to Lagos. It doesn't work like that. Abraham did what he did because of faith. The other people around were too much into idolatry. If his, his, son, his son had married from there, they would not have been able to produce the Messiah. He knew what he was doing. It was about faith. It was about faith. It was about faith. He had to, you see, he was very careful. See, let me tell you something about that faith. That faith is very, very strong. When he found the faith in Rahab, a harlot, he brought her in. He found that faith in Rahab. These are not games of chance. He said, no, get that girl for me. But sir, she's a harlot. Kill one boo. I'll take care of that. <laughs> just took a boo, cut the neck of the boo. Watered the girl with the neck of the boo. She was good. <laughs> Not the boo. The blood of bulls and goats yes. cannot take away sins. Yes. But what God was seeing, that bull, was the Jesus on the cross. Cleansed Rahab. Put her in the genealogy. And you go and read the one they write the genealogy of Jesus Christ. They hardly used to mention women, but they, they will mention Rahab. They had to mention Rahab. So he took them into Egypt. He said, go, look, look, look. I don't want this thing polluted. Go and keep them in Egypt. They, he hid them in Egypt. He said, why? You see, I need to destroy the Amorite. And Bollinger will explain that the Amorite was not just the Amorite alone, that he stood as a type of all the nations there who were steeped in idolatry. And you must understand, Satan knowing that you have to preserve a kind of genealogy, that was why he introduced giants into the land. The idea was that make the whole of mankind unuseful, useless, so that the Son of God cannot come. Pollute everywhere. And that's the world is, see, that's what the world is trying to do today. Pollution. Pollu- Please, eh, let me just tell all of you. Get used to the way I preach. Because my digression must come. So I won't be taking permission again. <laughs> let me just be talking my talk. Abby? Yes. The other day I talked with some, some of my guys. A friend of mine in the U.S. When he spoke, I realized that he, for reasons which I understood, he doesn't like Donald Trump. He said like this. Said Donald Trump empowered the racists, those extreme, um, those right extremists, the white, they call themselves Christian population who look down everybody, think America is their own. They forget actually because America belonged, the land belonged to the Native Americans. All right, okay. We used to call them Indians because Christopher Columbus did not know where he was, so he thought he was an Indian. <laughs> so they called them Indians. All right. So he said that he empowered them. He said, make the place unsafe for my children. Now, what he meant is that, you know, there's a mood in the air in which everybody behaves themselves. But then when you alter it, they become emboldened. So they can start doing stuff. So he said, 
And I understood that that's why people like them, you cannot... Okay, actually, I said, something led to it. I said Joe Biden is worse than Donald Trump. That's what I said. And my reason is simply because I said, listen, that Joe Biden, for example, now to get American visa interview date, right now, in Nigeria, is like, uh, if you want to travel, if you go and look for a date, I'd probably give you November next year. Oh, 12 months is now too close. And the guy said, for, for our information, in India, it's 800 days. If you're in India, you want to come to America, if it's an interview, how many years is 800 days? That's almost getting to, yes, two and a half years. So over 800 days. So I said, what? I said, but, I said, Joe, um, Donald Trump called us that whole country. Are you getting my point? But I could get the visa interview two months under him. In fact, I needed to travel at the time. I, I was reluctant. I was dragging my foot. I was just foot dragging. By the time I checked, the thing I was going for, the day don't pass. So I told my guy, I said, I don't think I'm coming. He said, no, no, bank, you must come. You must come. Make a long story short. Do you know, I still managed to get visa interview for a, like a week before I was supposed to travel. My interview came up in like three weeks of so after I contacted somebody who said, no problem, let's see what we can do. They got me in. When they collected my visa, I went for the scene, I went for came back. So I was just reminding that, look, this guy called us um, this thing, but we could get the visa under you, but this guy that's so nice and nice and nice, yet it has made it practically impossible to visit. That was what started the discussion. So I was like, well, you guys feel like that, but this is how we feel, which is why I'm telling the story. They don't like Donald Trump mainly because of this racism issue. Remember the story of uh, stand down and stand back? No, stand down and stand by, yes. What they call the proud, the proud boys. They're like a militant group of white supremacists. And they issued an order publicly, stand down and stand by. Come on, that's, that's, that's a precedent. So they don't like him for that reason. Except that you listen to a man like Sadhu Salvaraj. Sadhu, we call him a righteous man. That the church needs to pray so he can be returned to power. Sadhu actually says that if the church will pray that God told him that he will give Donald Trump another term in office. An average Christian will find that very hard to accept. This racist guy. You know I'm telling you the whole story? It's because we don't know what God values. Racism doesn't bother God the way you think it should. He knows how to tackle racism. But racism does not alter genes. It does not make it impossible for the son of God to come. What Joe Biden and co. support alters genes and prevents the coming of the son of God. For example, if you don't like the fact that Mary is pregnant, abort the pregnancy. God doesn't find that funny. For example, if you want to marry a man, marry a man. If you want to marry your bingo, have a bingo wedding ceremony. What people don't know is that those things inject spirits that are so vile, the Son of God cannot come. They don't understand it. 
Those, you know, it looks nice. Listen to me. <coughs> Be very careful of this nice. That's why I tell young women. Don't, don't follow. Any, a guy is nice to you. Don't follow him. These nice guys are dangerous. You know what I mean? See, young lady, if you are listening to me. Hmm? If you find a nice guy that's much older than you. And he's chasing you. He's dishonest. Nice guys that are chasing young girls. So I'm sorry. If he's much older than you, usually he's, a, he's, a, he's, he's dishonest. Yeah. Now, you say uh, 9 out of 10. Yeah. Not 100%. 9 out of 10. Notice I said that you are young, he's much older. You know why I'm saying so? See, at my age, eh? an experience, I know every cord that exists to pull. I know how to pull it. I don't have to love you. I don't have to care about you. I may want to sacrifice you, yet you fall in love with me. It's not hard now. You, you, you get my point? We know now. Just to be old. No, just be old enough. It's not about anything. It's not an anointing. It's just age. It's just, it's just age. If you want to know, young guys, so you can use it. Come and meet us at the back. But you can't even afford it, so let's leave that in. You can't afford it. It's not just money. There's a patience required you don't have. You can only have that patience after you have married troublesome people for 10 years. <laughs> if you have not married any woman troublesome for 10 years, where will you get it? Pray for that tomorrow. Even when God wants to give you, say it will hurt you, leave it. And you shouldn't get that kind of patience too early in life. You will take a lot of nonsense. You see, Chuk said yes. <laughs> I know what I'm saying. So, he said, Pastor, what should I do there for? You're a young woman, a senior guy, go and report him. Not in a bad way. Say, please, go and chase my pastor. Go and chase my father. Do you get my point? Go and chase those people. They can see through you. And there was one story somebody told recently, I heard. True gist. Very, very, I mean, very close gist. This guy chases this girl, eh? eh? Do you know? By the time, <laughs> let me not start. Let me not. Let me just drop something. The girl said herself that said this guy was too good to be true. And when she found out, yes, he was not true. See, there's a way. He, the guy had experience. He was married, but she did not know. See, when men have married, they know things. Chooks. No, it's true. You know how to greet in the morning. You know when not to greet. You know when to pretend to be angry. You know how to recover from the anger. See the way Judah is looking at me like, oh God. <laughs> Keep talking. <laughs> so young women just tell them, please go and chase my father, go and chase my pastor. You, you, you know, you get what I mean by that. Yeah, go and chase people that can see through you. They will of course, by the time things went down, this guy had messed his girl's life. Turned out he was a married man, which explained his skill. They were very nice people. They are too good like that. See, most young men, you know, somebody said something. Please, I hope I can finish my message. Look, see, when I finish preaching, just go and journey together in your house. Leave me, leave me there. Let me just do my own thing. <laughs> Somebody said, talking to young women, if you find a young guy, rich, handsome, who listens to every nonsense you have to speak without interrupting, you understand? How does he say it now? 
that helps you out all the time. He's always there when you need him. He said, oh girl, be sure that Indian help you are smoking is a good one. <laughs> Some of you didn't catch the joke. He said, okay, when you find a man like that, check, you are smoking something, it does not exist. That a man like that does not exist. That when you see it, just clear your eye. Go and wash your eye with cold water. Somebody deceiving me here. Those who need to hear what I'm saying, they will understand. Some people are there arguing. Some feminists are there arguing. Some people who don't know anything. Have you ever seen when young women want to convince themselves to be advising each other? <laughs> you see, 17 year old, a 17-year-old, 18-year-old, 19, and it's being advised by a 20-year-old. And they say they are doing, uh, what do they say they are doing? Social support, nonsense. If you want advice, go to a 70-year-old woman. I know what I'm telling you. If you can't find 70, go for 50. If you can't get 50, go for 40. Don't go below. 39, don't even agree. <laughs> 39 for <laughs> Don't agree. This is quite so serious. So, so senior sisters, I've been talking to the youth. You know, I look back at now and say, nah, I won't let that happen again. I won't let that happen again. Get this. Anyway. Oh, what was it? No, that's something here. So nice people there, eh? you have to be careful because when the devil wants to corrupt you, he's always nice. That's where I'm going. He's always nice. So you go to a place like Europe, go to the US, the worst people are generally the nicest. So the Democrats are the nicest. They care about your feeling. They want you to eat. They want you to have food. They want to give you benefits. They give you everything but God. They will give you everything but God. You know why? Because for them, their reward is in this life. The only thing they want to offer you is in this life. They don't give anything that can cross into eternity. And many of us are fooled. Even Christians are not doing this. You don't understand. Christians are working on something far more exceedingly glorious. That's the truth. That's the truth. Because if the Democrats were the ones that were going to take you, the Israelites, out of the promised land, out of Egypt to the promised land, they won't kill any Egyptian. There will be no problem in the wilderness. They will clear the promised land before you come. They will resettle everybody. Amorites, please stay here. Um, Hittites on this side. Give me another one. Jebusites here. We can walk together in harmony. It's, it's, sorry, please. Is that not more reasonable to the human mind? But God said, no. I'm going to kill the first one of the Egyptians. I will bring you out by a mighty hand. I will take you to trials and temptations in the wilderness. Then I will wipe out the inhabitants of the land. Then I will reset to you. You must be thinking something we don't understand. That's why humanists are satanists. Look, humanism and satanism are equal to each other. And if you don't understand the revelation of God, they will sway you. When they explain to you why you should allow every girl to commit abortion, you will sway. When they explain to you why a man can marry another man, you will sway. Jesus said the only way you know, identify Satan is whose interests are they serving. Ask them, is this what God said? That's when you don't, you will know the, 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 the venom inside them. Bring God and Christ into the discussion. <laughs> oh my God, people don't understand. This humanity, so my friend and I were talking that day. I understood what he meant. But I said, go back and say, no. If you were to choose a president, 
it is better you choose a Donald Trump over a Joe Biden. Yes, it will hurt your flesh, I know. But in the overall plan of God, certain things are important. I went, under, I went into that trying to explain something to us, so I will understand. That what God was doing was this. Preserve these people. Don't corrupt the genes with which I will produce the incarnate son of God. So he kept on telling, if any man, if you find a man having sex with another man, this is, this is, it must be cut off from among the people. He will tell you, huh? Like one man, comedian made a joke. He said, I really don't care if you sleep with your goat. I'm eating the goat. Which one is worse? <laughs> so the human mind, which one is worse? The man killing the goat and eating the goat. But to God, it's the other way. Because those demonic spirits, they pollute genes. Why do you think there are so many problems in this world? The way God made human body to be, every cell replicating has enough machinery to take care of itself. Then why do they finish? And then we have a genetic abnormality. The Lord gave us the answer. An enemy has done this. And I'm giving you revelation today. Those enemies are demonic spirits. And when God wants to keep them away, do you get my point? That's why he does some of the things he does. He said, this thing you call nice. In three generations, you won't recognize each other. You will be as bad as animals. I told you before, the difference in the genes between a chimpanzee and a human being is about 3%. Can you believe that? Did I say 3%? I think it's less than that. Yes. It's really small. It, it, it's so tiny. The variations between you and the next person to you is less than 0.3%. Now, so... It is possible for demons to come in and turn all of us to literal monkeys. White, black, or brown. It's not about the color of your skin. We become animals. Alter our genes. After a while, we are just animals. We have no, what the Bible calls, natural affection. That a woman would not love her own children. I told you, ah, these things have happened. They still happen in the world today. Some of those places... It's worse. Woman got up in the morning, just shot all her children. She said she's tired of them. Okay, those are big children. They could have annoyed her. What about the one that took her two children? One three-year-old, one one-year-old. Put them in the car and pushed the car into the lake. Strapped them into their car seats. Pushed the car into the lake. Why? She wants to have time with her boyfriend. You are lying enough of those demons in two generations will be, all be like that. And God wouldn't have a choice. He would drown everybody again. Now you want to know? That also happened the first time. Fact. That also happened the first time. The whole of the race of mankind had been polluted so bad. God said, no, they all have to go. They have been missed the race of giants, strange people. These spirits that did not stay in their own estate, they had cohabited with, with the daughters of men, they had produced giants, renowned men of old, according to scripture. And God looked. If these people touch anyone amongst the descendants of Noah, I have to kill off the whole earth and start again. So he took Noah, put him in a boat, and drowned everybody else. Why? Noah was still pure. He kept on doing that, working on that. Anybody wants to pollute the people, he wiped them out. There are times the people say, no, Amorites, uh, carry the people, hide them in Egypt. Kill, clean out the Amorites, put the people back. They are misbehaving, 
takes them into Assyria. He kept on doing all of that. Just, it was struggle. There was a time, there was only one man left, and it was a little boy. Every other one had been polluted, one way or the other, corrupted. The Son of God was not going to come. So they hurriedly hit the little boy, the descendant of David. I think that was Josiah. God was working hard to preserve a lineage for himself. Why? So the Son of God could come. So anytime he called Noah, that's what he was looking for. When he called Abraham, that was what he was gunning for. When he called David, what he was gunning for. Anyone he called in, the aim was to bring the Son of God to the earth. Why? Because the lost portion is his people. The only way he can bring forth the new creation, that's where we are going. The only way he can bring forth the new creation is for the Son of God to come and die for them and give life to all who will believe in him. I found the Red Prince explaining one particular scripture. I will look at it in a moment. But I want us to understand something here. So anytime God called anybody, that was where he was going. To bring forth the Son of God. Okay, as I want to show you a particular scripture. Now, the aim is to have a new man. God, now, what I want to say is not a joke, it's true, it's literal. On the earth, there are major races of people, generally mention them like, that, they, like this. The Caucasians, the Caucasoids, like we say. You know, the Negroids, that's the Africans, okay? They have the Mongoloids, they have names for them. Basically, let's use simple words, Africans, you know, the white people, then the Asians, you know, stuff like that. There are different groups like that, okay? Amongst them, actually, there's a special group called the Jews. Yeah, they're not white. They're not Asians. Um, I, I don't know. What are they? I don't know. They're just Jews. Yeah. I would digress into their matter in a moment. But please, don't call me anti-Semitic. I am not. I'm Bible prophetic. I'm teaching the scriptures. Now, under this, all these people have mentioned, they are all... Gentiles, when you are thinking of the Jews, well, let's not think of the Jews for a moment. Let's add the Jews to them. All of them are the old man. All of them are descendants of corrupt Adam. I need to emphasize corrupt Adam. All of them are descendants of the Adam that missed the opportunity to be transformed into the image of God. All. Amongst them, God took the Jews so that through them, he will bring, you know, in the beginning, remember what he did? He made of clay a body, right? Out of the clay. And then breathed into that body the breath of life. Alright? A man became a living soul. And that's what the Bible calls the first man, Adam, who was from the earth. Now, he was going to bring another man now, this other man, he will make the clay out of the body, which he will preserve, like I've been discussing all this while, and then breathe into that body again, a new man. And that new man, all right, is now a new race, which, now, listen to this, this is very true. Whatever you ask spiritually, eventually affects you outwardly. 
The day you eat of it, that day you shall surely die. It only dies spiritually. Then eventually, the physical one began to come up. And then one day, it physically expired and died. And that has been the nature of man since then. Now, when God births a new spirit or a new man, let me use that word. When he births a new man, eventually that thing also affects the body. Listen to me. What I want to say is a matter of fact. If you have different generations, listen to this carefully. You're a believer. You're a man, you're a woman, you're a Christian. You marry a Christian. You start having children and you raise them in Christianity. By the third generation of that kind of progress, every craziness, either mental or physical, in that family will disappear. Every bad gene will find their way, they will disappear. It's a scripture. You know why? Because if the spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you, that same spirit will give what? Life to that body that was mortal. The main, maybe next time I will teach you about it. God helping me. The main problem is that people don't give attention to it. So you see, people that have been recreated in Christ still holding on to the old life. So they create confusion for God. What God actually proposed, see, Christianity is not a joke. What God actually proposed is that He's forming a totally different species, not just a different physical race. Out of every nation, every tongue, every tribe, whether it's white, black, Mongoloid, Asian, whatever you want to call them, anyone who is in Christ becomes what? I didn't hear you. Literally, the fellow is new. And this is what he does. Eventually, that fellow gets a new body. Now becomes exactly like Adam, who in the beginning, God says, you become like this, then you eat of the tree of life, and you live forever. Christianity is not a reformation of the old. It's a production of a totally new species of mankind. And if we live the life of Christ out, do you know after a while, just by doing blood tests and checking. You know, right now, if I take your blood, all right, and I don't, I don't tell anybody, I will give a lab, they will analyze, and say you are black. Yeah. Your, your blood is red, though. That's the white people. Take into the lab, there are some genes we will find. You know, say, this person is a black person. And that's the reason why, <laughs> what's the name of this um, princess? Prince Andrew's, uh, no, sorry, not, not, not Prince Andrew. What was, what's his, Harry, yes, Harry, Harry's wife. Megan, a few days ago said she's, is this 70% Nigerian? Now, I'm not saying she's correct, but it's, it's identifiable. It's blood. They just took blood, test, 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 find genes, find genes. They can identify where you're from. They can. It's not difficult science. Now, this is where I'm going. We leave Christ out the way I'm describing. Two, three generations, they will take the blood sample, look, and say, this person is Christian. They will say, this person is Christian. They say, this one, no. This kind of thing is only found amongst Christians. Do you know, even funny enough, there are diseases there. Eh? You see it, you know the person, you just know the race it came from. Yeah, there are many, there are many like that. There are some diseases that if you see in Nigeria, you look like, what? Are you a Jew? They say, no, you, not only are you a Jew, you must have come from this part of Europe. He said, no, this guy is an Ashkenazi Jew. This one is a Sephardic Jew. And you're looking at the disease he has. See, if Christ is in you, even though the body is subject to death because of sin, 
yet the spirit will give it life because of righteousness. That's what I'm talking about. The death of Jesus was necessary to begin that new creation. That's why Paul said, henceforth we know no man after the flesh. What we care about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is that if anyone is in Christ, it's a new, some Bible say creation, or but we get the point, or a new creature. All things passed away. Everything has become what? New. Now when Jesus rose from the dead, that was when he breathed into his disciples and that new life came into them again. Quickly open to the book of John chapter 20. This is scripture I wanted to read from verse 19. It says, so when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. And the disciples then rejoiced, then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he has said this, he breathed on them and said to them, what? Receive the Holy Spirit. Now let me just stop there because um, that's the main thing I want to bring out. I heard somebody teach about this, Derek Prince specifically. And the insight here is so deep. Now, I'm very happy I heard his teaching because, you know, when Jesus received the Holy Spirit, now the way you and I understand, I don't know about you, but the way I understood it, did they receive the Holy Spirit that day? It will appear like they did not. Why? Because on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. So what did he now say to them here? When he said, receive the Holy Spirit. <laughs> now, did not the truth. In the beginning, what happened? That's at the beginning. God made and then breathed into him what? The breath of life. That's exactly what he was doing here. It wasn't the Holy Spirit we're talk- the, the other one we're talking about that came on the, whole, the, the day of Pentecost. No. This was the day he breathed into them the breath of the new life that's found only in Christ Jesus. The reference explains something here. That is how all of us look at it. He breathed on them. No. That he went to them one by one, took them and breathed into each one. After that day, this was not the old man that was there. The seed of God was put inside each person. All the training, all the believing before was forming the flesh of Adam on the floor. Now he came back, having received new life that he cannot impact into people. Listen to me. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. It's not the old man you are dealing with. That is why God does not understand when you start using natural order to interpret the life of Christians. That is why it offends Jesus when he says, this one an evil man or a house man. And you're trying to decide who you marry, you will not marry. And you say, this person is from my place. This one is not from my place. No! You have to see this. You can call a, a monkey, uh, a, a chimpanzee, it may look like a baboon. You know they are not the same. You know they are not the same. They are two different animals. Put an orangutan beside them. They say they are two different animals. What am I going to say? 
put a born again Christian and a natural man, no matter how good he is, they are not the same species. What we just don't realize, see, when you give your life to Christ, you're literally born again. <laughs> you're born again. You're giving new life entirely. Just like that Adam at the beginning now began to develop. Adam, Jesus didn't breathe, breathe into Adam. <sighs> then he got up. Now I said, ah, how now? That is a nice place you have out here. Whoa, how long did it take you to make this? No, he was a child. He had to be trained bit by bit. The way you train children, the way they grow. But you know what? No matter how much you train a dog, it can never talk. But why am I talking about dogs? Dogs are very low down. And that's animal skill. No matter how much you train a baboon, it can never talk. No matter how much you t- train a chimpanzee, it can never talk. You know that? Do you know why? The nature of the baboon was not given the ability to talk. There are two ways you receive language. Alright? It can be dropped into you like a spirit. Bam! All this spirit comes upon you. start speaking a language you have never heard in your life. And it's a valid language. Or, you're trained. You go to school. Or children. Children just pick whatever they pick around. They're still training. But that's one that you are trained. It looks like it's training. But it's because there's first language in you. There's first talk in you. Animals communicate, but they don't have words. They don't have what they call tongue. It's not part of the creation. In the same manner, receiving the spirit of God to stay in you, for God to communicate with you, for Jesus to be your friend, walk into your house and talk with you like he does to many of us, many of our brethren, for you to open scripture and the Holy Spirit is breathing to you and you are seeing life in those words. No unbeliever can ever do it. Not inside them. Ever. You know, they, have never, they can't even lie about it. I don't know what my point. No unbeliever will come and lie. So I was reading my scripture that day and the Bible began to show me, have you ever heard that lie? It's so foreign. It's so foreign. It's so foreign. The only people that can do it, that the scriptures can talk to, that the Holy Spirit can communicate with, that Jesus can drag a chair and talk with them, not just rebuke them. Who are you chasing? No. Sit down, let us talk about my plan. You have to be a new species of human being. Just like I don't care the troubles I have. I will never take my dog. Oh boy, sit down, let's discuss. The security situation in this neighborhood, I don't understand. What can you do about it? Bingo. Okay, dog is low down. I won't even have that discussion with my baboon. Why? It's just not there. Blessed are you who believe. Because now the Lord can actually have a conversation with you. That's not good preaching. It's not Christian talk. I've just given you the fact of God. What was he looking for from the beginning? Somebody he can relate with. That was what he was looking for from the beginning. See, when he breathed, because when Jesus came first, he didn't come his whole glory. You know that. That was why... Peter, James, and John could interact with him. When he came back, he did not show himself as alive to anybody who did not believe. Ah, please now. I used to wonder why they didn't just do the gege. He said, they can't even see. 
Even if I were to come to them like this. They will not see. Blessed are these ones that they can see. I hope you're getting my point. For them to be able to relate, that's as soon as he came, he breathed the life of God into each one of them. That's why he didn't waste his time going to tell everybody, hey, I'm risen from the dead. So what do they make? They won't believe anyway. They can't even see. They are, that is, they are of a different species. I hope, I hope you're getting my point here. So when we're talking about being born again, brethren, it is not a joke. It is not a joke. It's not a trivial thing. It's not a light thing. It's a heavy thing. It's a deep thing. It's a profound thing. God had to go through that to create a new race of mankind. So he can understand the pain in his heart. When he says, I've seen princes walking on barefoot. That's the thing. The problem is that those who claim to believe, they have not developed that life. You know, because just like the baby, a baby is born, right? Does he have talk in him? He has talk in him? Is he talking the first day? Is he talking the second day? Six months, is he saying anything? In three years, he's holding a conversation. In ten years, he's writing stories. He knows how to manipulate language. He can even create his own language. One day my son created language, I burst into laughter. He came and said, Daddy, see what I write? I said, no. It's what I wrote. He said, okay. He went back, continued writing. He came back and said, I, I finished writing this one. <laughs> How do I say to a child, grandma? How to that's I explain again. I don't know. There's only like rotting. Rotting. Rot, rot is only. Ah, yeah, I say, oh, why is this language coming? Why? The man in him is, is, is growing, is developing. He can take language now and stitch it together, rearrange it, create new words. But he couldn't do that when he was a day old. Couldn't do that when he was 10 years old, uh, uh, sorry, 10 months old. But then, after being alive for a few years, he began to do stuff. Now, what am I talking about here? You see, but the language was in him. In the same manner, there are many things inside the believer in Christ Jesus. Except we rise and develop that thing, it remains what? Redundant. It remains redundant. That's why we think that we are normal people. We are not normal people. The problem is just that most of us are nothing but babes in Christ. That's what the problem is. They are babes in Christ. Let me just remind everything I've said today so we can go. I think I've made the main point I came to make today. And that's the fact that the new creation is a plan of God. That was God's original plan. That new creation. That was God's original plan. And everything he was doing was working towards it. And Jesus, we know it. Let's just read that particular scripture. We know he's a second man. Jesus was called the last Adam, that is of the old race. Jesus came to bring that one to an end. Now we have a second race of people on this earth, which was what God was going for in the first place. Now the plan of God is now going to be fulfilled in us. Do you believe that? 
Yeah, that's it. The plan of God is now going to be fulfilled in us. It's now going to be fulfilled in us. Later on, maybe next time, I'll talk about what the Bible says, what the law could not do. You will see the law was given to show that this was necessary. Because one thing that God does is what the Bible calls the demonstration of his righteousness. And ultimately, this new man that we are talking about here, what we are doing, we are using the body given to us as in the old man and using the spirit into, in us to keep it alive and functional and receiving life. Ultimately, this body is going to decay. There's no choice. It has to go away. From the beginning, it was condemned. It started with the old man. But the spirit of God in us now is keeping it alive. The spirit of God in us will keep it alive so that we can function in this realm of mankind. Or ultimately, that seed that God has planted in us by reason of that new birth, the one that Jesus breathes into every believer, it needs a new body to be able to function. And that body is called what? The resurrection body. And everybody will receive one one day. Everybody. Everybody. Every single... Now, listen to me. When I say everybody now, everyone who has received the new life. If you don't have that new life, you can't use the new body. So you will not get it. I hope you follow what I say. See, if you don't have that new life, you cannot get the new body. Because the new body is for the new species of mankind. Let's just read that scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 from verse 35. It says, but someone will say, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? He said, you fool. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. That is, this physical body must go. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of his own. All flesh is not the same. That's what Paul was making earlier. All flesh is not the same. There's one flesh of men, and another flesh of beasts, different kinds of beasts, another flesh of birds, and another of fish. And there are also heavenly bodies, and what? Earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is one, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For stars differ from star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. That's the one we are using right now. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. Said the last man, that's Jesus now, said the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. Then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of what? The heavenly. So it says, understand this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Where we are going to, we need a new body. Nor does a perishable inherit the imperishable. 
Behold, I tell you a mystery. Oh God, you must understand. This is something, you know, I told you, see, eh? if you see where God is going, so all this one that people are clinging to the earth, Jesus don't come here to I never marry. You know that foolish talk? You said it at the time. You. He can now come. <laughs> you don't worry. I, I'm, I'm sure I said things like that. You know, children, if you're a child, you talk nonsense things. So God forgive us. We're playing. Abby? Say, Jesus, don't come here. We never fight. Jesus would laugh. He wasn't angry. Say, now foolishness. His foolishness. It's like your father built the best new house. Say, no, daddy, we can't pack from here yet. I've not jumped on my trampoline outside. Do you get my point? If you move to the new house, you will know that trampoline is nothing. He has better games than you can ever imagine in that new house. What am I going to say? When Christians cling onto this earth, it's because they have not seen anything yet. They haven't. If you know what God has prepared, if you know what God has prepared, no, I told the Lord, I see, look, I don't mind. The reason why I want to live on this earth, the only reason, let me tell you the truth, eh? is because of work I have to do, you know, take care of children, take care of my wife, preach the word of God, mentor people for Christ. It's not because I want, I want to retire and go and sit in one corner of America and be, and be watching what? Antelope run across. No. This earth is not worth that. It's not. The only thing I just told the Lord is that, see the way you did with Moses. Do that one with me too. Take me on a tour. I like a tour. I like it at least a few weeks before that time. Possibly a few years. So that I'll be eager and tired of here. That you'll be coming down relax. Thank you. There's still more books to write. What are we doing here? Do you know if you have this kind of vision, you will live life differently. Let me just digress more. Please live life with vision. Everybody say they say everybody run abroad now, be. See, this is not the first time. They will soon get tired. Judah was telling me that I, he saw a message pretty long ago, which I said they are now tired. Yeah, they got tired at that time. Look, this wave began first for me in my own life in the <clears throat> mid eighties. No, late eighties. Yes, late eighties. Then it stopped late 90s, early 2000. The people stopped. Generally, people just kind of lost interest and the doors were not there open anymore. So they kind of calmed down. All right? But do you know I've never been tempted? Ever. This one began again. I can't even be tempted. I think I'm too old for that. All right? But you know I've never been tempted? Do you know why I've never been tempted? Do you know why I've never been tempted? Hmm? I just felt like I have work to do. And I believe that God's assignment is location dependent, specific. Thank you. So that's why I've never been. Never. Now we have emails. We can do things online. Those days, every application was with postage stamp. You write letter, postage stamp. One of my seniors said he spent a whole month's salary buying postage stamps. Applying to go to different parts of the world. I have never been tempted. I have never applied to go anywhere. The first time they started American Visa Lottery, I heard about it before 99.9999% of Nigerians knew it existed. I, saw, I heard about it so early that my friend and I went to USAID. No. Went to USIS in, in Lagos. All right? What do we want? We told them, my friend, we served together. Told them about the American Visa Lottery. They were looking like they didn't know what we were talking about. People who worked there did not know what we were talking about. 
He said, America was visa lottery. So, ah, visa is good now. Is it bad? I mean, I've had American visa. I think the current one I have, I think, has expired, but I've collected American visa a few times. So it's not a bad thing. But then the thing that became known, they would not saw the details. I would not find it was American immigrant visa. I closed the shop. The moment I discovered the word immigrant, I said, no, that's not what we're looking for. I thought it was just visa so that if you want to travel, you don't have to go to the embassy to queue. They say, you have to go. They give you a visa to come. After six months, they give you this and all of that. Ah, so that's the idea. I can't just collect and put it in my pocket. They say, no. At the point in time, my brother was using to do business. Of course, online things are now begun and all of that. So one day went home. My younger brother was helping some people. He and his guys were doing the business. He himself did not doing. No, I don't know. But they were helping people load and all of that. You pay them. So he came with camera. I should come and capture and do that. I'm looking at him. So I looked at my wife. What's all of this about? She said, no, no. Let's just collect this. Just in case somebody wants to travel. It was only totally free of charge. I said, they have a saying in this part of the country, here we in West that time, I said, in this part of the country, they have a saying, no, that what you don't want to eat, don't sniff. All I needed to do was sit down and be photographed. I refused. What's my logic? I said, I'm not good anyway. You like suffering life? No, I like preaching life. Everybody has an assignment in life. Never forget that. What did I say? Say it again. Say it one more time. Everybody has a in life. This, this world is not our place. It's not where we are planning to end and die. We have a new place we are going. While we are here, we have an assignment. Don't let comfort drive you up and down. Like I keep on saying, you can go anywhere. I hope you're getting my point. You can go anywhere. But the desire for preservation of life and for comfort must never be allowed to drive you up and down. Never. Because one day, there's something Paul said here. You see, different heavenly bodies have different glories. Strive to receive the one with the highest level of glory that God has to offer you. And he's going to judge you by what you did, what? In this flesh. There's a reason why he's giving you life. By the spirit that is in you, giving life to this mortal body. It is so that you can fulfill an assignment with which he will place you in the kingdom of God he's talking about, in which you will reign with that heavenly body. I hope I've said something to you today. Why don't you give the Lord thanks that you are a new creation? You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Give the Lord thanks for that. Give the Lord thanks for that. Say, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. I feel like somebody should give thanks. You know, I told you, he doesn't want any how jeans. He doesn't want. Yet, he saw Rahab. He said, get that girl for me. They said, sir, she was a harlot. Or she's a harlot. He said, kill a bull. Take care of that. I want someone to give things that I've been taken care of. My matter has been taken care of by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. My matter has been taken care of by that shed blood of Jesus. Somebody give thanks this morning that my matter has been taken care of by that shed blood of Jesus. I've been cleansed. So if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. Give the Lord thanks that all things have passed away in your life. Give the Lord thanks. All things have passed away in your life. Give the Lord thanks. All things have passed away. Give him thanks like you believe it. Again, thank him because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. What is that same spirit? <laughs> it's not just the Holy Spirit that's in power to perform. But it could not be kept under the power of death. He has this power of this endless life now. 
That spirit in him caused him to come up from the dead. He said, that spirit is in you. Now it's giving life to your mortal body. So thank him this morning that the same spirit is in me. He's giving life to my mortal body. Giving strength to my bones. Removing all the bad genes. Healing all my diseases. Healing all my diseases. Healing all my diseases. I want somebody to say to a disease in your body this morning, say, you don't belong here. This is a new creation. You don't belong here. This is a new creation. No, there's a power that God is releasing now to heal the sick. I believe God for it. I don't want anybody to you know, stop going around giving excuses. Say, no, that belongs to the old creation. There's a new creation in Christ Jesus. I receive healing. I receive health from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I receive strength for my bones. I receive strength for my muscles. I receive strength for my eyes. I receive strength for my stomach. I receive strength for my brain. I receive strength for my joints. I receive strength in every part of me. Strength. Why? It's a new creation. It's a new creation. It's a new creation. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father.